Thanks, Matt. It's good to be with everybody, either in person or online, and hope uh, as uh, we begin today and look in God's Word that it really speaking in your heart. You know, we've uh, started a series in the last week on COVID recovery, and we looked at a particular area, uh, which is anxiety, recovering from anxiety. I was reading some additional things this past week. In fact, uh, I don't know, a little bit quiz today. Uh, how many know what yesterday was? Anybody know what yesterday was? It was, Saturday. yeah, but a little bit more significant than just Saturday. The 10th of October, but what was significant about the 10th of October? Steve, you have a very bright comment on that. I did not know this until just recently, but yesterday was World Mental Health Day 2020. And what's interesting about that, that was uh, designated before COVID-19, but that was a day particularly as a nation, we're saying let's pay attention to people struggling in their own health, particularly mentally or emotionally. And it's interesting about that, as you think about that, statistically now, and depends upon who you get your statistics from, since COVID-19, they, they say, for those who do surveys, that mental health issues, anxiety, uh, apprehension, lies filled with worry, uh, is up 70%. If you want to take the lower percentage, it's up 55%. And as you think about that, it means people are struggling with handling all the things that are going on today. And as I shared last week, there are, there are a lot of things that people can look to in common, whether you come to a place like this, or you have a faith, or you just want to get some help dealing with things just from a, a perspective of being a human. And the Bible creates everyone, as we see it. And, and, and as we think about that, we have some things in common with everybody. And last week, I gave you seven ways to deal with anxiety. Interesting about here, I came up with another list, or Anxiety and Depression Association of America. Here's, here was their top 10. I think I gave you seven last week from CDC. And here it was. Uh, some of them are repetitious from last week. One is media distancing. And, and basically, what they were saying there is, is we would all realize that the, the more bad news you get, does it lift you up or does it bring you, what, down? So just restrict how much you're hearing about all the bad news going on. Then it said, do not engage with worry, which... That's my favorite thing to say with people who are filled with anxiety and worry. Just chill out, man. Just stop worrying. And, and I think, well, what is he really saying about that? And, and really what he was saying is that try to pattern your experience in life where you, you quit asking the question, what if? What if this happens? Or anticipating things going wrong rather than bad. And so we have a tendency to worry about things that might happen rather than are happening. And then when I uh, focus on present odds, uh, we, do, we do realize that people are getting sick in a variety of different ways, but even if you take whatever statistic you want to look at, uh, people are only getting sick, particularly related to COVID, and only is, depending upon it, that's you or somebody else, is uh, between one and a half to three percent. So you can look at the positive perspective of that, 97 percent of you will not get COVID-19. And so as we look at that, these are just simple things to look at, is don't uh, focus on present odds, or if you do, focus on the odds that will help you. Uh, do not react to physical symptoms. If you get a cough, it doesn't mean you're going to die today. You know, it's just quite possible you, you had a little bit more pepper on your, on your food than you should have, a variety of different ways. A um, couple other things, or seven other things that said, engage in stress reduction activities. Find some things you enjoy doing. Do not go beyond CDC guidelines. And, and we are a people, and we are a nation that uh, go from one extreme to the, the other. Would you agree with that? Either some of you have no sense of concern about what's going on in our nation. I mean, it's just, you're not going to worry about it at all. That's just your temperament. And other you, others, you have a hard time functioning because of all the things you hear. 
And one thing's about that, as far as uh, don't go beyond CDC guidelines, um, I, I'm kind of the person, I mentioned last week, if I wash my hands, if I put a little soap on and just put a little water on, go like this, I'm done. That's my natural tendency. But some people, and this is kind of the OCD, I mean, when they're washing their hands, they never what? They never finish. And they're doing it over and over and over again. As soon as they wash it, two seconds later, they're coming back and washing it again. Now, part of that might be a sign of other things that are going on in your life, but don't go beyond the, the normal in terms of helping you out. Uh, he goes on and says, preserve some sense of normalcy, be kind to one another and others, and have faith. And this, and I didn't share that last week, and I felt a, a little bad about that, is if you're in a situation where things are just getting beyond your ability to cope, uh, then seek help. You know, don't just hold it in. Don't just... Don't just think that you can handle it on your own. Uh, find people that you know that can maybe uh, be a listening ear to you, and if you need professional help, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing um, shameful about getting help. Uh, but as I mentioned last week, as is, is you think about the challenges that people have, uh, some are just normal to life, and, and that's why there are some you know, simple things that we all need to do. Make sure you get plenty of rest, eat well, try to get some exercise, some of the things that we just shared here. But if that's all we're left to, then why are we here? And why do anybody try to pursue something beyond what they see around them? And we believe that there is a God and that God cares about us so much that he wants to, he wants to take our lives and completely change it. And as we go through life's challenges, that he's there to help us. And so we want to just look at what, what does God say to us about going through life's challenges and, and being people that, that still admit what they're struggling with, but see how God uh, can supernaturally deal with some things that we're struggling with. And, and so this morning, that's what we're going to look at, but we're going to change from looking at anxiety or worry or apprehension uh, just in its general sense. But we're going to look at, well, what are some of the maybe causes of that? And, and let's just be honest, uh, as we think about some of the, the strongest causes for us to just be stressed out uh, are relationships. Would you agree with that? I, I mean, the, the, having relationships, having people in your life can be the greatest source of pleasure and joy, uh, but also can be the source of greatest, what? Pain. And, and so if we don't get it right with relationships or we don't have a game plan to deal with uh, people not only that can just lift us up, but also tear us down, uh, then apprehension, worry, being stressed out, uh, we, we might be able to name that, but we're not going to be able to deal with that, which is the cause of what we're going through. Now, hopefully, whether you're online or here this morning, that you picked up an outline. If you didn't, then uh, your homework assignment is make sure you pick one up before you leave. Because you think about the Bible, you think about God's message to us, and you know, I share with you many times, this is a fairly big book. Uh, you know, my copy of the scriptures doesn't have any pictures in it. At the end of it, there's a few maps. Uh, there's a lot of words here. And, and as you look at what God has said to us, I, I, I want us all to realize that, that God keeps it simple, but he also goes into detail about his plan for our life and how we, how we are to live it out. And so if you have the outline, you realize that I don't have the typical three points, and normally I don't just have the typical three points, but I, I've got seven for you this morning. But if I were to reduce it to two points, I would say, as you think about relational recovery or relationship recovery, 
there are two relationships that you need to make sure are right or, or you're not going to do well during these days of stress and, and turmoil and just frustration. You, you got to get your vertical relationship right and you got to get all the horizontal relationships right as best you can or you're not going to go through these days well. Or put, away, put it this way, and this is really what I want to talk about this morning, is that I, I want us to give some insight from God about how to get right with God and then how to get right with people. You need to be right in your relationship with the living God and you need to get right in your relationship with the people that are in your life. And we're going to see that and see some specifics with it as, as we look in God's Word. If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And often in a topical message, you're dealing with uh, verses here and verses there. And we're, we're going to deal with one major text, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 17 through uh, 32. And, and we will, as typical, race through this a little bit. Uh, but, I, but the points are going to be pretty clear as we begin. And in a place like this, you hear people preach or teach the Word of God. Uh, eventually, the people talk about uh, getting right in your relationship with God. Uh, they will give out the gospel. They'll give out the message of how, how do you get to know God. And, and often in preaching settings, what, what they'll do is they'll say, uh, uh, or where they'll put it, or put it at the end of the message. Number one, it's, it's, it's something they don't want you to forget. And if you, if you forget everything else that was said, and none of you ever forget anything I say, right? Why are you laughing? That wasn't funny at all. That was not a joke, all right? Uh, but if you're, if you're going to forget everything, I say, don't forget this, as you need to get right in your relationship with God. And I, I want to make that so clear is that not only you know the urgency of it, but you know how. But the Bible portrays that in so many different ways. And, and really what we're going to do today is put that which is normally put last and put it first because it is most important. And also what, what comes first in the text we're looking at. What does it mean to get right in your relationship with God? And, and this is what's so important in and for us to get right, right in our relationship with God, we need God's help. We can't do it on our own. And that's the uniqueness of Christianity. It, it, it's not what you do to get right with God. It's what God has done. Are you willing to appropriate it or receive it or get connected to it? And, and that really begins here. And so Paul, after he, he talks about, there's six chapters in the book of Ephesians, a little bit of background. First three chapters, he talks about all that God has done. And then in chapters four through six, he talks about what are we supposed to do? And, and the first number of verses, uh, the first 16 verses, he talks about the, the primary responsibility of God's people to get connected to God's church because that's how you live it out. And that's how you experience life. It was as it was as tended to be experienced and lived out in the company of like-minded people who've been changed by God. And and we still struggle with our own sin, but you see, this is, this is a group of people that are on the same page and trying to, trying to live out what God has called them to live. But just like any person who preaches or speaks, whether it's on a one-on-one -on -one relationship or whether it's a group of people, is that as you hear people listening to you, uh, some of the people you talk to might already know Jesus, right? But, but some people you talk to that you might assume know Jesus, but they what? They don't really know Jesus. So, Paul, for a moment, begins to say, look, I, I want to get back to basics again before I give you some instructions and get about how to live out in a world in which re relationships on the horizontal level, often we struggle, and particularly in conditions like we're living in today, it, it magnifies itself because we don't have some of the freedoms uh, that we normally have, and there's other pressures upon us. Uh, and, and so he, he really kind of spells out the gospel 
in a rather demonstrative way. Beginning with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, and really the point here is make sure you really have a relationship with Jesus. And if you have your outline, and if you're looking at your clock, you might say, oh, this is going to be a long message. He's just getting to his first point. Uh, the other ones I'll try to get through a little quicker. Uh, so Paul goes this. He says, so this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no, ma- no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. Uh, but it, it is going to be tempting to spend a lot more time on this text than I want to or have time for. But really, as you think about racial tensions, racial tensions have been throughout the history of mankind. And really, the, the word for Gentiles is the word ethnos, from which we get ethnicity. And he says, look, you who feel you're overly, overly elevated in God's plan, you, you are God's chosen people, you are the Jewish people, and, and God did bless them in demonstrative ways. He, he says, look, I, I want you to recognize that this because you have that, that Jewish uh, history, lineage in you, that, that uh, you need to recognize there are other people out there And particularly as you see that, you ought to see in reality that the real issue is not a racial issue, it's a spiritual issue. And what you have need to understand is that there are people who know God and don't know God. And he goes on, this says in verse 18, those who are Gentiles, those who are outside a relationship with the living God, verse 18, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they have become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. And that really describes those B.C., before Christ, who are having a right relationship with God. And, and there's some pretty strong terms there, but basically saying they, they live for themselves. And whether you came to know a real relationship with Christ early in life or later in life, and even as you recognize the, the old, the, your own struggles now after being exposed to the message of Christ, is basically people are far from God because they live a self-centered life and, and their, their hearts are hardened. They, they want to do their own thing. And he says, look, at, you need to recognize the difference between knowing God and not knowing God. But then he says this, but you do not learn Christ in this way to, to live for your own self. But if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your, formal, your former manner of life, and as he was saying this to them, he's going he's to insert this for free or to really penetrate their heart. He, he knows that as he's speaking to some of them, your former manner of life is still the life you have. Because I'm going to describe what it means to, to cross the line of faith. And what that truly means. And in some ways, it's not as clear in the English text. And I'm not going to take the time to validate everything I've said grammatically. But he says this. Then in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. And really what he's saying, look, when you, when you get right with your relationship with God, you look at your own life and you say, you know, my life is far from God, and I, make, I need to make a radical decision, a radical commitment, and I need to take my old life and lay it aside. Is that when you become a Christian, it's not that you add Jesus to your life and then you continue to do whatever you want. You say, no, I, I am changing this life completely. And in Colossians, you use this to illustrate, when you become a child of God, what you do is that your old clothes 
you, what you do is you take them off and, and then you put on new clothes. Now, in our day, we sometimes roll, well, my old clothes, sometimes I, I throw them in the washer and they, you know, and then I put them in the dryer or hang them up or what you might do. And then I, sometimes I put those old clothes back on. He said, no, no, no. These are old clothes that you take off and it's your desire never to put them back on again because that's the old life. You know, there's this analogy that sometimes when, when people are exposed to um, diseased materials and, you know, maybe they have the hazmat material on or they, ha- they have certain gowns they put on when they encounter someone who is infected and, and, and when they take it off, what do they do with those things? They throw them away. And so if you're going to get a right relationship with God, you need to understand this is, this is the true commitment. You take off the old self. It's done with. But as you think about it, just taking something off, you know, just leaves you naked, right? So something else has to happen. And so really what this is describing is what repentance is all about. It's turning from yourself and then turning to some, someone else. And, and so he goes on here. So lay aside the old self. And then he goes on and says this. Uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that's the byproduct of what happens, and put on the new self. And so you take off the old self and say, God, you need to give me something else. You, you need to give me a new life. And, and so really that's what it means to get right with God. You get rid of the old, and you take that which is new. You say, I, I don't want that which is destructive in my life. I want only that which changes me on the inside. And then he goes on. He says, uh, you be renewing the spirit, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. See, the, the Christian life and the Christian commitment to being right with God is all about getting something new. Probably the most familiar thing that people know about being new in Christ is that you're a new creature. The old things pass away, behold, new things have come. But if you were to trace the word new in the New Testament, you'd find out that not only does he make you a new person on the inside, he gives you a new mind, a new will, a new heart, new desires, a new pattern of life. Everything changes. So I, so I guess what I would say to all of us, if, if, if we're going to handle relationships, we've got to make sure our relationship with God is right. And it all begins with taking off the old and, and putting on the new. And every time we have a tendency to, to live like the old, we say, oh, man, that's not who I am anymore. Who are you right now? Are you a person who's been rescued from living life just for yourself? And it, has Christ made everything new in your life? Not that you always live it out that way, but has he made something new? Do you know who you are and whose you are? Have you made that radical commitment to Christ? The old life has passed away, and now you have a new life in Christ. You know, it's interesting. We often describe these days as like the worst days, right? It's everyone, and we've said this over and over again, everyone is looking not to continue to live 2020, but they're all looking for a 2021. And even as we look at this political atmosphere and all the tension is in relationship to what's happening in various parts of our nation, we say, was it ever as bad as it is right now? Now, we can look at some things as being really heated, but look at this has been the nature of our world from the beginning. You know, 
when Peter preached the first gospel message, which the gospel is simply the good news about Jesus being right in relationship with God. This was, this was his invitation. Repent and be saved from this perverse generation. That sounds like it was pretty bad back then, right? And what's interesting, he was speaking to religious people primarily when he's giving that message. And, if you, and the people he's speaking to on a human level live pretty good lives, pretty moral lives. And yet, what he was saying, look, you don't understand. There's a darkness in your heart. You need to put off the old life and put on the new life. And you need, as we sang earlier this morning, you need, to, you need to surrender. We all need to surrender. God, I am yours. So he speaks about getting right with God, making sure you, this is what you heard from the beginning. And then he said, if you know that truth, and then he goes on and says, okay, this is now how I, I just plead with you to live. And, and now we're going to race through some points as we look at it. Okay, if you're right in your relationship with Jesus, if you're right in relationship with God, then you have a source from which God can change you before you try to live with people that you're always thinking that need to be changed. That's kind of my struggle. You know, I got my act together. Why can't everybody else get their act together? And uh, trust me, and I won't... I won't bore you and humiliate me about all the, all the ways this past week I did not live out this passage, okay? I'm, I'm going to preach on this, and I can't seem to live it out, right? And, and it, it, there's so many reasons why it contributes for us to, to struggle to live out God's clear principles. And it really gets down because we, we are living in, in, with ourselves directing us rather than the Spirit directing us. But this is how we ought to relate with people in the home, in the workplace, in the neighborhood, with people that uh, we work with, whatever it might be. And this is, what, this is what Paul says to the people in the church, that they are to live out wherever they find themselves to be. So he goes with this. He says, Therefore, lay aside falsehood. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And he, he speaks to them in the church, uh, but really, it was to spill out into the community as well. And, and so, uh, how, do we, how, do we, how do we get right in relation with others? This is really new to all of us. Uh, make sure you're telling the truth to each other. How many Hallmark movies have, have you seen where they're in that dating relationship? Or, or maybe they're in that relationship of marriage. And, and finally, kind of that point, you know, it's like, a, it's like the light went on and said, you know, from now on, we're always going to tell the what? Truth to each other. No more things are we going to hide. No more things are we going to you know, put in the mystery box where you have to figure it out or, or I'm afraid if I say this or do that that you won't be able to handle it. Does, does anybody want to have a relationship with someone that you're not really sure they're, they're telling you the truth? I mean, does anyone want to go to a doctor, you know, when, if you've got a serious condition and they say, well, you know, they're not going to like what I have to say to them. I, I think I'll just not tell them, you know that they have a fatal disease, you know, and I have, I have some treatments that it might be difficult to go through, but, but I, don't, I know they don't want to hear this, so I'm not going to tell them. And so as we think about relationships and as we think about even uh, what you're going through at home or whomever you're dealing with, maybe you have to have an honest conversation with them. This is, this is, this is what I'm going through as, as we're relating to each other, and we're going to look about that. If you do that, make sure you, you say it in love. But we've we got to speak truth to one another. Thirdly, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Paul writes this, Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. 
obviously, we're, we're an emotional people, and it's interesting. Uh, there's a whole EQ study you can go through. I don't know if people have heard about that, and, and I might share with it a little bit later on in our series. But as, as we think about relationships that we struggle with, sometimes because people have uh, just kind of blown up at each other. Their anger, their, their rage spills out, and they say things that are hard to take back after they say it, and it damages the relationship. And yet it seems here, he says, be angry, which is in the imperative in the original language. I mean, hey, it's all right at times to be angry, but if you're to trace all throughout Scripture, it's be angry about the right th- things, things that, that God is angry with. But even then, he says, be angry and, and yet do not sin. So what you do with your anger is that which either builds up or tears down. But I guess I just want to focus on the, on the one thing here. He says, be angry and sin not. And, and then he goes on and says, do not let the sun go down on your anger, which basically m- make sure your anger doesn't last long. Now, some of this relates to temperament. Some people, you know, they can blow up and then they you know, they, they forget it almost immediately. And other people, you say something, you know, and, and it, it says the, the ne- that day, the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. And, you know, some people, and we'll see this, some people don't get, you know, hysterical. They get historical. You know, they're, they're going to bring it up, what, what you said and what you did to them. And I think it was Billy Graham said this, is you think about anger, um, taking anger to bed with you is having the devil sleep with you, and he's not a good bedfellow. And this is what he means by let the devil have an opportunity. And really in relationships, we need to deal with it and then let it go. And it's on our side. We can't control how other people react, but we can, by the Spirit of God, control how we will react. And so as we think about being right in relations with each other, number one, we need to be willing to speak the truth. No falsehoods, no hiding that which will destroy the relationship. And just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it doesn't need to be said or to be heard. And that's just the other thing. Are you willing to hear that which someone needs to say into your life? But the other idea is how do you respond to it? It's one thing that you emotionally react to it, but then do you hold on to it and allow the devil to allow that to continue and turn from an emotional response to it to having a... a ongoing bitterness and, and grudge toward the person. And, and, and then he goes on, and, and now he gets really practical about things we can or cannot do. He, he says in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse uh, 28, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. And then this one, which I'll probably spend most of the time on, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And I put this in your outline this way. Make, make sure you do and say, what, make sure what you do and say helps people and not hurts them. The whole idea of stealing, and that's pretty... Uh, obvious one. If, if you're taking things from people, make sure you give it back. If you take things from people, realize that's not God's plan for you to acquire things by taking other people's things. Is that we, we need people who, who work for what we get and, and really for the purpose, not just 
experience for our own benefit, but to share with others. And so we need to recognize as God blesses us, we bless others. And that's a, a great way to build your relationship. But the big, big thing here is not only what you do might it help not hurt, but particularly that what you say would help not hurt. Just think that one phrase, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. The word unwholesome there really has the idea of corrupted. And it was really used for a certain type of fruit and vegetable that laid out too long in the sun. And it became foul-smelling. And if you happened to taste it, it wouldn't stay in your mouth very much longer. And as we think about that, you know, what destroys relationships, what causes relationships not to be right, is what comes out of our mouth. And we, we really need to examine ourselves. If, if what I am saying now is something I would want someone else to say to me, and no, no, I don't want them saying to me in that way, and with that tone of voice, with that substance, then, then realize that what you want to say is not what you should say. Sometimes we will c- communicate this way. I, I just needed to give that person a piece of my mind. And that was a part of your brain you should have kept in your, in your cranium, right? Is it, we need to recognize that we are, we are called to be responsible for what comes out of our mouth because it will destroy relationships. Real quickly goes on, and he says this, not only let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, he says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And part of the idea of getting right in your relationship with God is, is now when you're right in your relationship with God, you now, have this, you now have God in that position to lead and to change your life. And the Holy Spirit is never considered just a power or, you know, may the force be with you. Every time the Holy Spirit is made reference to in the Scripture, personal pronouns are always used. It's never it, it's He. And everything the Holy Spirit does is, is on a personal dimension. He guides us, He directs us, he's, a, he's our source of joy, He comforts us, He dwells within us. And the other aspect here, as we think about it, is that when, when we don't live out in our relationship with people in the way that pleases God, it, what it does to God is it breaks his heart. It, it causes him to grieve. It causes him to be sad. And, and so as we think of God's people who are uniquely able to deal with the stresses of our day, it's because we have a source that other people don't realize. It's a, it's a personal relationship with God who lives within us and can guide us and direct us and empower us and enable us to be what we know we ought to be. The Bible says, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of God is. Do, do not just be filled yourself, but be filled under the control and influence of the Spirit. And so throughout our relationship with people, we need to check who's really in control. Is it self or the Spirit of God? And in Ephesians 4.31, Paul writes this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Every one of those words speak about specific things that, that we have a pattern in doing. And, and I would simply summarize it this way. Make sure you confess your own sin and get rid of what is poisoning your relationship. Have you noticed it's easier to find and discover other people's faults than your own? And he said, look, examine yourself. What is it that's wrong in your life before you try to correct something in somebody else's life? In fact, uh, Jesus had something to say about that as well. He said, look, before you try to take a a speck out of someone else's life, make sure you got that two by four out of your own life, right? And, and that's really what he's saying here. And it, it just, just imagine how that would change relationships if that was our first response. Okay, before I figure out what's 
what they're doing to mess up this relationship. What, what have I done to mess up the relationship? Can anybody relate to that? And then finally, this last verse, which is a, all these are powerful verses. He, he says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And so as we think about being right in our relationships with God to begin with and make sure we're right in relationships with one another. Make sure you pursue kindness and forgive others as you have been forgiven. Can you imagine how much better our relationship with people would be if we simply did those last two things? You know, how kind have I been today? And <laughs> trust me, there were a number of times this week I, I, I would not rate pretty high on the scale how kind I was to certain people. And then after that is, okay, maybe you have been the recipient of someone not being kind. How quick are you to forgive others who have not been kind to you? So what's the point this morning? The point is simply this, is that God wants us as God's people to be in healthy relationships. And when our relationship is not healthy, he wants us to recover from that being the condition of our relationships with God and relationship with people. And how does that happen? In relationship with God, it's taking off the old self and putting on the new self, making sure that is your relationship with the living God. It's not just being renovated, it's being transformed. And then as we think about how we deal with people, it's all about making sure we're doing the basics. Telling the truth. Having a good reason to be angry and never letting it last making sure that we, what we do and say helps people and not hurts them. Make sure the Holy Spirit is leading you and you're not making him sad. Make sure you confess your own sin and get rid of what is poisoning your relationship. Make sure you pursue kindness and forgive others as you have been forgiven. Now, I know you're not going to remember all seven points this morning, but maybe there's one or two this morning that has hit you the hardest. And say, this is where I need to begin. This, this is what God needs to do in my life because this, this is what God wants. He wants us to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And it all begins being right with him and then being passionate with being right with others. Let's pray together. Our Father, our, our world has celebrated, I don't know if celebrate is the right world, word, but they have observed Mental Health Day uh, just yesterday, on October the, t the 10th, this past Saturday. But Father, until people have spiritual health, uh, they will struggle. They will struggle without your help because they don't know you. And Father, I would pray above all else that people will come to that point where they put off the old self, put on the new self by saying, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me my sins, I want to follow you. And Father, then after that, might we pursue that which is right with people. Might we, as Paul says in Romans, so far as it depends on us, might we be at peace with all people. And we praise in Jesus' name, amen.